0: Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman.
1: Welcome to Think Humanities. Many of you are aware of our Kentucky Reads Project, which we launched in Guthrie, Kentucky in April. Why Guthrie? Because it is the hometown of celebrated Kentucky poet, author, and essayist Robert Penn Warren. Kentucky Humanities Kentucky Reads program is featuring Warren's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, All the King's Men. We're doing that in a variety of ways. We are working with a number of partners around the Commonwealth to present many aspects of the novel, the movie, the play, an in-depth discussion of the characters, themes, and action that takes place in All the King's Men, five statewide discussions titled Democracy in the Informed Citizen, and other events. One of those is a documentary produced by our guest today, KET's Tom Thurman. Without Tom, there may not have been a Kentucky Reads or a deep dive into All the King's Men by Kentucky Humanities, On Sunday, September 9th at 2 o'clock at the downtown Lexington Public Library in the Farish Theater, Tom will present an excerpt from his Warren documentary titled Robert Penn Warren, A Vision. Tom will be there to talk with the audience uh, about his work on this documentary. The full-length documentary will premiere at Western Kentucky University on the campus of uh, Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, on Monday, October the 22nd, and we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Tom, welcome. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's go in and fill in one of the blanks about uh, without Tom Thurman and without the documentary, we might not have a Kentucky Reads.
0: Well, that might be a little overblown there, Bill, Um, but uh, you and I... um, I don't know what is it? two or three years ago, we were in the hallway of Kentucky Educational Television, and I started discussing my proposal to do a documentary on Robert Penworn. Uh, one thing led to another, including your retirement. I don't think this, um, I don't think this discussion led to your retirement, but it led to this project, and here we are years later with the documentary in the can, and you with this fine uh, program already on, underway.
1: Well, that is the truth, um, and it was uh, when I left KET, and I don't know if I ever told uh, our our good friend, Executive Director uh, Shea Hopkins, uh, that I was taking just a little bit of KET with me. I took a lot of KET with me, but uh, that was... Uh, one little aspect of KET that I put in my back pocket and thought what a fine program that might be. At the very beginning of uh, January of uh, a couple of years ago, I thought, well, wouldn't it be neat if uh, Kentucky Humanities, uh, as they have in the past, uh, support KET in a number of ways, but wouldn't it be neat if we could uh, somehow uh, work with you and, and be a a co-sponsor and from being a co-sponsor, which we are, of the film to uh, this terrific program, which has just been um, wonderful to go across the state and and talk about it and we're right here in September and and most of the Kentucky Reads project uh, takes place in September and October. Leading up to the book fair, there will be some other uh, aspects of it at the Kentucky Book Fair on November th- the 17th and the week of, of uh, the book festival that we're putting together. So um, I, I guess maybe the first uh, topic of conversation is uh, why Robert Penn Warren? How long did this germinate with you that uh, he would be worthy of a, of a documentary, which is sort of a facetious uh, statement in itself, worthy of a documentary when he's one of the greatest writers of all time. Tell tell me about how you begin to think about it.
0: Well, I guess the documentary started 36 years ago (laughs) when I read All the King's Men as an undergraduate at Center College. And it was uh, one of those books that you don't absorb as much as it just hits you and it sticks with you and you compare it to other novels that you read. And um, so it had such a powerful effect on me. Of course, I read Warren after that. And then later, after graduate school, after teaching at Tulane and the University of New Orleans and Berea College and a few other stops along the way, uh, I ended up at Kentucky Educational Television as a producer-writer. And that afforded me the opportunity to continue making documentaries, uh, specifically documentaries about artists. And so, when the opportunity came to present this, I was very excited about being able to move forward on it. And um, the timing was just right for a lot of different for a lot of different reasons there at KT. And so, while I'd wanted to do this for quite some time. You have to kind of pick and choose the right time, and um, that time came. And thankfully, they uh, greenlit the project, and, and here we
1: are. For those of you uh, in the listening audience who don't know uh, Tom's work um, and the work that he did prior to KET and the work that you have done in your time at KET— uh, this is your, what, 30, 37th documentary, full-length documentary. So briefly, uh, a bio of your work in, in film, your, your uh, documentary work, as well as some of your other work, your, your teaching, and, and uh, how you sort of built this, uh, this credit up uh, that leads to uh, this Warren documentary.
0: Well, a lot of my documentaries kind of emanated out of my interest in film and literary history. And so um, I was very much um, a part of that kind of milieu, if you will, uh, in teaching at uh, Tulane, teaching at the University of New Orleans, and I would often teach film history courses. And so um, uh, very much like varying genres to to teach, whether it be film noirs or westerns or, or whatever it may be, and then I decided, you know, I'm going to move back to Kentucky from Louisiana and I'm going to make a living by my wits. And a friend of mine says, well, you'll make half a living, yeah. <laughs> is what his comment. And so the interest in film history morphed into creating documentaries, feature length documentaries about actors, about film directors, about film movements. So in 1992, I produced my first feature length documentary about a character actor from Kentucky by the name of Warren Oates, who's from uh, originally from Muhlenberg County, Kentucky, uh, a little community called Depoy. And so one thing led to another. Other documentaries were produced uh, independently. And then I came on the staff of uh, KT and have been lucky enough to. Produce documentaries about artists uh, for them.
1: So, back to Warren, and uh, when you were teaching uh, at the, uh, in, in Louisiana and in, uh, in New Orleans, uh, Tulane, um, did you use All the King's Men, uh, the movie, as part of your classwork? No, I didn't. I, I used
0: the novel when I uh, taught uh, literature and writing courses. But I didn't use the I didn't use the film, um, but it came into my orbit eventually, and um, I enjoyed the film. Uh, but when the impact of the novel is so great, uh, sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around the film version because um, you know compromises are made mm-hmm. uh, in the process. Uh, And you're spending a whole lot of money, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and there's a whole lot of expectations. Um, But it's a fairly faithful and accurate and moving version. And oddly enough, I think the remake in 2006, I think, with Sean Penn is better than a lot of people give it credit for. Oh, really? Yeah. A a lot of people, it it was uh, kind of dead on arrival. And um, early reviews weren't kind to it. That's being gracious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think it's a better a better adaptation than most people give it credit for. It just when you have the shadow mm-hmm. of the original that won Best Picture, mm-hmm. and with people winning Academy Awards, that's a that's a high hurdle to get over. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think one of the most extraordinary things about your documentary, uh, which is Robert Penn Warren, a vision is that it is the, the first and only full-length documentary of Robert Penn Warren's life?
0: That's correct. That's correct. When I was um, doing my initial research for this project, one of the first things I did was try to determine, am I going to be swimming upstream against some other documentary that was produced 5, 10, or 20 years ago? And fortunately for me, there has not been one produced before. Why which, do you think that is? Boy, that's a that's a tough question. Um, the main answer would be I really don't know. Mm-hmm. He's certainly deserving mm-hmm. of one, and I think uh, one thing might be that he lived uh, a life with that was not sensationalistic. He was not um, he was not like a Hemingway. Who was a headline grabber? You know, you look at or people like um, Tennessee Williams or Truman Capote or Norman Mailer, uh, who are on, you know, talk shows all the time and and stirring up controversy in one way or the other through their work or through their personal life or both. And he kind of came under the radar. Um, there wasn't a, there wasn't the tortured artist cliche for people to grab onto. He didn't show up on everybody's talk show. And um, he did not have some uh, (laughs) crippling malady that Mm -hmm. would, you know, grab headlines. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think a lot of that contributes to the fact that he has not been covered in a documentary before, which was just
1: manna from heaven for me. Did the the cross-genre skill that he possessed in so many disciplines have anything to do with uh, maybe a, a filmmaker didn't know how to approach or, or which Robert Penn Warren they would get? I mean, that, that hasn't stopped you, uh, obviously. He was a, uh, the only uh, living uh, at that time and, and now deceased person uh, that won the Pulitzer in both uh, poetry uh, and, and fiction. Um, and he won the poetry uh, Pulitzer Prize twice. Twice, and that, that's another. On un- so so was it that that uh, maybe at that time when he was living, or even after his his uh, death, you just didn't know how to get your arms around this this uh, immense talent that he possessed.
0: Well, that that could be uh, in part uh, the issue. Um, was he a novelist who was also a great poet, or was he a great poet who was also a novelist? Um, he, and there's so many, he, he didn't spread himself thinly over these other areas, he covered them extraordinarily well.
1: How do you answer your own question?
0: <laughs> How do I answer my own question? Well.
1: Was he a novelist, or a great poet, or both? I or think
0: ha- he was a, a great poet, who was also an extraordinary novelist. Yeah. And um, All the King's Men looms incredibly large, of course, but he's really a poet at at heart. And um, one of the things is it's really hard to make a living as a poet. And um, one of the reasons is that people don't read poetry like they do fiction. You know, people don't grab a, well, I'm generalizing here, but if you were to pick out, you know, 10 people off the street and offer them books to take to the beach, uh, they're going to pick fiction. They're going to pick novels. They're going to maybe pick biographies as well, but probably not poetry, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And thankfully, there are many exceptions to that. But I think that has a lot to do with it. Plus, he was an extraordinary journalist. And that's one of the things that intrigued me most about this project is not the work that I knew coming in, but the work that I discovered after I embarked upon the project.
1: Tell, tell us more about what you discovered.
0: Well, the there's three books that I would recommend people read of Warren's if they haven't read them. And if they have read them, read them again. And that is Segregation, interconflict in the South from 1956. Um, Who Speaks for the Negro from 1964. And a little thin, wonderful volume in between called The Legacy of the Civil War hmm. from 1961. Hmm. And so I end up devoting sections in the documentary to those three books. And I had not read any any of those mm-hmm. before this project started. So his work as a as a scholar, as a historian, mm-hmm. as a journalist is something that I found really intriguing uh, during the production of this
1: uh, documentary. Tell us about uh, Guthrie and tell us about uh, his growing up there, and uh, what you think uh, either uh, formed his, his life uh, with those roots or, or, or didn't? Uh, w- what kind of effect did small town Kentucky on the Tennessee line uh, have on Robert Penn Warren? Well,
0: I think it had an extraordinary uh, effect on him. Um, going back to his grandfather, who loved to read to him, and that was, that um, was, that was in a, had an extraordinary impact upon him. His mother was a school teacher and so they valued reading in that family it's also a very isolated area and um, sometimes that isolation you take advantage of it by latching on the pursuits to keep you occupied (laughs) and i think um, reading was one of those pursuits for him and there's also a kind of calm and beauty to the area and I think um he found that how shall I phrase this it it had um an influence on him influence on him that carried through to the end of his life he was constantly coming back uh to Guthrie in his mind in his work and occasionally in person Mm -hmm. and um and it's one of those uh, little towns that has its own appeal, has its own personality. And I was able to shoot in the grocery store, Longhurst grocery store there in in Guthrie and interview Bill Longhurst, who um, not too many months ago passed away. And he was kind of the that little grocery store was very much the center and hopefully still is of Guthrie.
1: It was uh, closed, by the way, and I'm not sure they were going to reopen it after Bill's death. Uh, has it reopened? I, I, I can't answer that I, question. I don't, when we were there in April, um, the the word was it it might not, and we, we just – I don't know that. Uh, we'll have to look at that. That would be a
0: very sad yeah. thing because it was kind of the anchor yeah. of that little community.
1: Um, your work um, – your your – Des, your desire first to uh, and uh, your your love of the novel, *All the King's Men*, and your your deep research into uh, the novel and and how Warren wrote it and when he wrote it and and his intentions in writing it. Tell, tell us, just talk a little bit about that. Well. All the King's
0: Men is is one of those books where you're constantly discovering things every time you return to it, and um, F- William Faulkner had an interesting thing to say about the, All the King's Men. Uh, there's this digression in the book, uh, the Castmaster story, and Faulkner, in, in his kind of perfect perversity, said, "Well, we should just throw the rest of the book away and just keep that portion." Yeah. And, um, but the, the book, because it, it deals with politics, it deals with power more than anything. It, it's one of those works of art that is relevant to any culture and to any portion, you know, any era from our country. And the thing about that, that novel for me, it's not nearly as much about the plot. It's just the, The wonderful elevated use of language, Mm -hmm. and you know, people ask me, "Well, what's the book about?" And I never talk about Willie Stark. (laughs) I never, I don't talk about the characters nearly as much. It's just Warren's incredible command of language and of dialogue and description. It's like someone uh, talked about Faulkner, and it says. He conveys sensation better than any other author. It's like the description of t- someone simply taking a drink of water, let us say. Mm-hmm. And Warren, at his best, has that kind of power and command. And that's that's what I'm drawn to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. The kind of um, writing that uh, you don't find today... I, I, I'd be hard pressed, and and we at Kentucky Humanities, thank goodness, read a lot and, and are able to read a lot. That's part of what we do. But I, I don't know if anybody. I've asked scholars, um, scholars who worked through uh, our Facebook Live discussions on uh, all the Kingsmen. They they're they're hard pressed to name someone who is writing as well as as you find and. and that, that's maybe not as important today as it was then or, or, or as important to some of us. I mean, somebody, they might want to read flash fiction and not be caught up in a lot of, uh, uh, of the language that you find in, in all of Warren's work, and, and that's fine. Uh, uh, but if you want fine writing, I, I don't know. Have you, have you pondered that? Do you know of anyone else that today that mirrors his skill? Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah, yeah there's
0: there's yeah. Uh, because there's some passages that are uh, so elevated, mm-hmm. uh, they take you away. Yeah. In some ways, from the story. Yeah. Uh, and stand on their own mm-hmm. as a way to to captivate you. And of course, the trick is to mesh that story with that language, yeah. so that they become hand in hand a way to really take you to another place and I think Warren at his best is able to do that
1: what did you want to do in the documentary and how have you achieved that and then I also want you to add in if you will the uh, uniqueness of of some video some footage that you have uh, that you discovered of Warren, speaking and talking and and how that adds to your work?
0: Well, we're going to have to wait uh, a few weeks to see (laughs) if I've achieved anything with this. But um, for me, what I want to do is send people to Warren's work. I want people to watch uh, the documentary and be intrigued enough where they do research on their own where they go dig up his work, uh, his poetry. They dig up his fiction. And if anything, that's what I want to do, is to send people back to Warren's work. And if they've read All the King's Men, terrific, reread it. But there's a lot of other novels, Mm -hmm. and there's um, uh, a whole lot of poetry, um, including poetry that many people think that his best poetry comes after he's 60 years old, which is a, a fascinating kind of curve mm-hmm. in his life and his work as an artist. And as far as materials, um, because no one had produced a documentary on Warren before, uh, this ended up being a quote unquote authorized documentary. And by being able to work with his daughter, Rosanna, who is herself a poet and working with, um, Warren's son, Gabriel, who's a sculptor, I was able to to have that quote-unquote authorized status, and which allowed me to access over 40 reels of home movie footage uh, that no one has really seen before.
1: Wow, 40, that's, that's a lot of video. Yes,
0: yes, and um, so, that, that's just terrific, is to what be able the, to... Is it 16, was it 16 millimeters? It was eight. Eight millimeter? It was eight millimeter, and yeah. it was color. And wow. it's, it's showing him all over the world, because yeah. uh, he was quite a traveler, and he took his family with him. So, it, it's a really intimate, personal look at not only Warren, but Warren as a father, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I wanted to convey. And then, um, they were real shutterbugs, especially Eleanor, his wife. So, um not only is there reams of home movie footage that no one's seen before, there's hundreds and hundreds of still photographs um, and so that's just heaven for a documentary filmmaker.
1: How in the world did you decide with all of that that you had access to 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 what to put in an hour documentary
0: well it if you're not careful, it can be paralyzing if you have yeah. so much great stuff um It could be difficult to choose, Um, and it's it's the same way with the uh, poems. I have uh, Robert Penn Warren reading poems, Mm -hmm. and then you know which ones to choose. You can't use them all, Mm -hmm. and you know on top of that, how to illustrate them. So it's just um, sometimes I found myself, like I said before, just paralyzed thinking well I have so many options here. So uh, you just have to kind of uh, roll your sleeves up and make some hard decisions.
1: Does he did he talk about um, who speaks for the Negro and the process which led him to uh, do those interviews and and then of course they were transcribed? Does he ever explain why he, launched into that project in the first place?
0: It's not much of him describing why he did it, but simply being us having the documents which shows he did it, which reveals how so important this process was to him. Because the arc that I try to show in the documentary is starts in Vanderbilt in 1929 when... Uh, David Davidson asked him to write the segregationist essay for I'll Take My Stand. Mm -hmm. So he's a 25-year-old man. He's living in Oxford at the time. And he wrote the essay. And more than one person says it's the only piece of major writing that he ever regretted. And I think both segregation, interconflict conflict in the South, mm-hmm. and especially who speaks for the Negro, that's an attempt, it's a really, really poignant window into someone who's coming to grips with things that he used to believe and how he is evolving as an artist and as a person over time on one of the most, if not the most, critical social issue. Of our time. And so that was one of the fascinating things with me, for me, is that to have Warren in the documentary in illustrating his connections and interactions with Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and James Baldwin were the three that I selected to, to reveal this change in his attitude.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that is a fascinating uh, part, I'm sure, Um, if you know a little bit about his history. It just happens to make me think of uh, also one of our other events, if I can mention uh, John Meacham and the Soul of America. Uh, John Meacham, uh, who also has a Pulitzer, the journalist and author, who will be uh, at the University of Kentucky on September the 17th uh, to uh, lecture and will talk about... um, uh, a, a lot of uh, different things, but he'll talk about Robert Penn Warren and he'll talk about uh, the times that we live in and the times that uh, All the Kingsmen was written. But I am just happen to be in the section of his book, uh, Soul of America, right now, where he is, he is tracing uh, exactly what you, uh, and, and you mentioned the date 1925. I, I did not know that, that uh, the, the, the essay was written at that time. Um,
0: Actually, it's it's 1929. 29, he was 25, 25. years okay. old at the time. So he was the youngest member of
1: that whole fugitives group uh, at that time. And this is, the, uh, this is the place where Meacham's research led him to um, uh, segregation. We'd been out of the Civil War at that time for 35 or 50 years or so, and um, and the Ku Klux Klan was just just beginning to be as uh, at their at their uh, strength and uh, what uh, how Wilson dealt with it and how uh, Roosevelt dealt with it, uh, about the convention in New York of all places uh, where they argued uh, for, uh, on on candidates it's 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 fascinating and I'm sure that that Meacham will touch on this Meacham is a um, I, I think. Has studied Warren also, and it'll be interesting to, to see how he uh, intertwines all that. So, Tom, at the end of the day, I know you're 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 uh, terrifically proud of this work, and and you're you're wanting uh, to get it out there for people. Uh, uh, you you've told me, I think, I hope I can share this uh, on the podcast that after 36 documentaries, this is the 37th. Uh, film and documentary. This is the best uh, work you've ever done.
0: Well, I happen to think that. I'm I'm anxious to see what others will think. Um, of course, we have premieres. We have premieres. Um, we have the sneak preview Sunday,
1: mm-hmm. two o'clock down at the Farish Theater in uh, Lexington at the downtown library. And I'm you, very
0: anxious to see uh, what people think about this excerpt. Uh, it's about 20 minutes because I focus on uh, the Guthrie section mm-hmm. and his upbringing, and then of course, All the King's Men, mm-hmm. which is at the at the heart of the story in, in many respects. But then the full-length version, as you mentioned before, will be shown down at Western Kentucky at Van Meter mm-hmm. on the 22nd, and there'll be a couple of other premieres that same week, and then the KET broadcast. Mm-hmm. On October 29th, Mm -hmm. Monday, Mm -hmm. at nine o'clock, and of course, uh, eight o'clock for those people in Guthrie in Western Kentucky. So, I I am uh, anxious to to see what people think. Uh, There's, you just feel, you know, when something comes together. And then there's sometimes you feel like you're swimming upstream. And then, or there are other times where you feel like, I think I've made the right Mm. decisions here. Yeah. And this one falls into that latter category.
1: And at uh, Western Kentucky University on October 22nd, Rosanna Warren will be with you.
0: Yes, she will be sharing the stage with me for the Q&A after, and that will be the first time everybody gets to see the feature length version. So uh, she has been incredibly supportive throughout this entire process. And as a poet herself, I think uh, people will be find her presence, uh, something they, they want to be uh, around that night.
1: So once again, uh, Tom Thurman will be down at the library in Lexington at 2 o'clock on Sunday, uh, the 9th. Um, we... Uh, you plan to show the 20-minute excerpt uh, from, from the full-length documentary, and then you, you'd like as many people as we can get into the Farish Theater to come out and, and engage you and talk with you about, uh, about your work, ask questions. So You'll be speaking after, uh, uh, before and after the film, correct?
0: Yes, I'll be there to um, introduce the film. Hopefully it will speak for itself, but I will be hanging around afterwards and to do, you know, entertain any questions that anybody might have about the excerpt we'd just shown them or about Warren's
1: work in general. Tom Thurman from KET, thanks for being on Think Humanities. Thank you, Bill. Think
0: Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org,
1: iTunes, and SoundCloud.